0: what is up everyone it's quinn here and in today's video i'm going to be knocking out my last set of positional rankings so i've already gone through the running backs wide receivers the quarterbacks today it's time to talk about the top 15 tight ends and then also split these players up into tiers if you haven't checked out my other set of positional rankings you know you can go take a look at those after this video is done as always i want to hear your guys opinions let me know what players you think are too high or too low you know maybe you disagree with a tier I think tight end position honestly gets pretty interesting after like the top two, maybe like three, four guys. I feel like there could be a lot of variance after there. So, uh, you know, let me know what you guys think. And then if you do enjoy the content, do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. And then also stay tuned because over the next few days, I'm going to be putting out my top 24, just kind of running through my uh, top 24 overall players, also splitting those guys up into tiers. But enough of me talking you know, about the intro, let's jump into the rankings. And starting off here at the tight end number one, my only tier one tight end, it's gonna be Travis Kelsey. Don't really need to say a ton here. He's pretty much the consensus tight end one everywhere. I think on pretty much every platform, there's at least like a round and a half difference in terms of ADP between him And the second guy who, spoiler alert, is going to be Mark Andrews. The lowest scoring season that Travis Kelsey has had in the last five years was 15.9. He's also averaged over 18 points per game in three of the last five seasons. I think the only concerning thing here for Travis Kelsey is that he will be turning 34 during the season, but I feel like that's more of like a dynasty problem. I still think that even if he kind of has serious regression... He could still end up comfortably finishing as the tight end one this year. So maybe I'm a little bit lower on him in terms of overall ADP. Like when you take a look at my uh, overall rankings, like the top 24, but in terms of like tight end rankings, he is clear cut locked in as my tight end one overall. Now the next guy is locked in as my clear cut tight end two overall he's going to be my only tier two tight end, and that is going to be Mark Andrews. Andrews is a guy who has already showcased that he does have an elite ceiling at the position. In 2021, he averaged 17.7 points per game. I also think it's reasonable to expect this Ravens offense to be more pass heavy this season, which obviously is going to benefit Mark Andrews. I'm not really super concerned about these other weapons, you know, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, OBJ. The Ravens are forming a nice kind of solid wide receiver core, but I still think Mark Andrews is the guy here. He's already proven it. Um, And I also just don't think there's anyone going to be arguing uh, Andrews any lower than number two. At worst, you know, someone probably has them like number three. So now here's where we're kind of getting into the players where there could be some variance. So my tight end three and starting off tier three is going to be TJ Hawkinson. And we saw Hawkinson play on nine full games with the Vikings last season. In those games, he averaged 14.1 points per game, which is honestly a really strong number at the tight end position. I think the interesting part of that is that he probably actually underperformed on the volume he was receiving. So over that nine-game stretch, Hawkinson averaged 9.4 targets per game. For the tight end position, that volume is pretty crazy. Unfortunately, he only ended up scoring three touchdowns on 85 targets, which, you know, the volume's great. Three touchdowns on 85 targets, that's pretty unlucky, you know, when we're looking at league average. I think the question heading into 2023 is gonna be, will this volume stick for TJ Hawkinson? Because it's not like he took the volume and ran with it and was super efficient, you know, getting into the end zone a ton. It didn't really happen. He wasn't overly efficient. If he can hold on to that volume, I do think he's a tight end who has like 15 plus point per game upside. If he doesn't, then you're probably going to end up reaching on a player who kind of gets stuck in like that mid tier tight end one range. And this is a point I'm going to continue to kind of hammer home throughout this video. When I am drafting tight ends, I want to be shooting for upside pretty much like at every point in the draft. I do not want to be one of those guys who spends like a round six, round seven pick on a tight end and they finish as like the tight end six, tight end seven, because the difference between like a mid-tier tight end one who's averaging 11 points per game and like the tight end 15 who's going to average nine, like that's not a significant enough difference for me to pay up and draft a dude in the sixth, seventh round compared to just, you know, throwing a dart on one of my last picks like round 13, round 14. I just don't think the value is there. So I want to be drafting these players who have upside. I do think Hawkinson has it. I mean, we just saw the volume last year. If that carries over into this season, I do think he's in kind of a good spot here. Now, the other tier three tight end that I have is going to be George Kittle. And he was actually the tight end two in points per game last season averaging 13.4. I feel like we're in a weird spot with these 49ers weapons because when we start to look into the splits when all of them were playing together, I feel like they don't come out too hot for really any of these weapons. So looking at the games where CMC, Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle were all healthy together, George Kittle only averaged 10.5 points per game. And I believe he only had over 30 receiving yards in one of those games. He ended up having a big time touchdown season. He actually scored nine touchdowns in the last eight games. So that kind of saved his production, you know, once CMC joined the roster, he had like some boom games later on in the season. I think there were games where Debo missed like a few games. um, And then George Kittle stepped in, had some big games. He also had some like six for 25 receiving yards and two touchdowns. The dude was getting into the end zone. So I do think there are like some concerns here for George Kittle. If this was a thinner group of weapons, I'd probably throw him ahead of TJ Hawkinson. Um, but excluding Kittle's rookie year, prior to last season, he'd averaged at least 14 points per game every single season. So he had been a guy who was consistently you know, hitting some sort of ceiling and doing it you know, on a regular basis. The other issue I have here is just that prior to last season, uh, the most touchdowns Kittle had had in a season was six. So he was consistently giving you 14 plus points per game While not getting into the end zone last year he scored 11 touchdowns and didn't manage to hit that 14 point per game number so my concern here with kittle is that if that touchdown number goes down and the volume receiving yardage doesn't take a huge jump up which it might not just given all the weapons here then we could be in a rough spot with george kittle i'm still willing to take the swing here because he has showcased the ceiling Plus, honestly, like expecting a group of four guys to stay healthy throughout the entire NFL season is probably not super likely, especially when, I mean, Kittle himself has dealt with injuries, Debo has been banged up a little bit, CMC hasn't exactly been the picture of health over the last like three-ish years, so I still think Kittle's a solid pick, but just kind of want to point out some of the concerns I do have here, and he's just not a guy I'm going to be going out of my way to kind of reach to draft. Now, shifting into my tier four, this guy's probably going to be a little bit of a shocker. My tight end five is going to be Darren Waller. I'm going to be higher on Waller than consensus. And I'm kind of just willing to accept like his last two seasons have been underwhelming due to injuries. Like, I don't really think he's fallen off a cliff as a player. I don't think he's been bad. Um, And honestly, like if we're looking back on it, his 2021 season would have actually been the tight end five in points per game uh, looking back in 2022. So it only kind of felt underwhelming because he was so good in 2020. Waller is a guy who has already showcased that he has a high ceiling at the position in 2019 and 2020, he put together back-to-back seasons with 1,145 yards and then 1,196 receiving yards. And to put that into context, I'm pretty certain that Travis Kelsey is the only other active tight end with at least two 1,100-yard seasons. Kittle doesn't have it. Andrews doesn't have it. Zach Ertz doesn't have it. So Waller is legit at the position. He's a top option. He's stepping into an offense where he'll have the opportunity to be the number one target. Brian Dable went out of his way, acquired Darren Waller, right? So he clearly has some use for him. So I want the guy who I think can average like 17 plus points per game. I don't think he can. We've seen him do it. I like the situation. We're just kind of hoping the uh, health holds up here for Darren Waller. Now, sticking around in tier four, my tight end six is going to be Kyle Pitts. And if you're sitting here like, oh my God, we're doing this thing with Kyle Pitts again, I understand it. I also understand if you're not really willing to draft him, he has flopped fantasy-wise in both of his NFL seasons. He was drafted, I believe, as the tight end six as a rookie which was pretty rare. And then I think he was right back in that same range last year. He might've even been higher, honestly. And last year was really rough, like 7.6 points per game, tight end 22 in points per game. That's obviously not getting it done. But like I mentioned earlier, I'm shooting for upside. I'm not shooting for a guy to be the tight end six, the tight end seven. I want a guy who can give you that ceiling. Kyle Pitts is a freakish athlete, and he did show flashes last season. He had the second highest target share, the highest target rate of any tight end in the NFL. He had the highest air yard share and the second highest dot. He also led uh, all tight ends in deep targets, despite only playing in 10 games. He also led all tight ends in unrealized air yards. So just looking at this situation... Kyle Pitts proved he's talented. He proved he could command targets. This is honestly all very similar to his teammate Drake London, where like Drake London's target share, his target rate numbers were fantastic. Both of them were just playing with really, really rough quarterback play. Pitts specifically, like his target accuracy was atrocious. There's like a full-on like highlight mix of Kyle Pitts just getting missed down the field by, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Marcus Mariota, who was just terrible for Pitts down the stretch. Now, I'm not saying Desmond Ritter's is going to come in and be amazing, but it's going to be tough for him to be worse. And I've kind of come around on Drake London for the same reason, in the sense that we don't want to be like projecting league worst passing volume, because there's not really any room for us to be wrong. You know what I mean? If they're in like the Mid 20s in terms of pass temps per game, I still think these guys can end up paying off for you. Plus, we're looking at Kyle Pitts throughout his career. The dude has scored three touchdowns in 27 NFL games. That is just like absurdly tough. Um, I think that number has to bounce back. I am very confident that at some point in Kyle Pitts' career, he is going to be an elite tight end one, right? At some point, Travis Kelsey is going to be gone and we're going to be looking at Kyle Pitts, who's probably going to be the tight end one on a year-to-year basis. That's the ceiling that I believe Kyle Pitts has, and I just don't really want to be in a spot to miss that boom um, for a guy who's going to be safer, give you 11, 12 points per game. Plus, these booms can happen you know, from year to year, George Kittle went from 7.1 his rookie year to 16.2. We saw Mark Andrews take a jump. I believe it was also rookie to second season, 6.7 to 13.8. So these big leaps can happen over a single year. I think Kyle Pitts could have that happen this season. And I'm just willing to take the risk. Now, number seven is going to be Dallas Goddard, also in tier four. And this is pretty much like the definition of the type of player I'm not looking to reach for. And that's because we're looking at the difference between Goddard's historical production and the tight ends who are going to be finishing as fringe tight end ones. I just don't think it's worth the price that he's kind of consistently being drafted at. Goddard was the tight end five in points per game last year. It sounds solid, but it was 11.8 points per game. Now, looking back at last year, that honestly wasn't super far off from like the season numbers of Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson. But I think we have to acknowledge that Andrews obviously has already showcased. he carries a high ceiling. Hawkinson with the volume, you can see the path you know to uh, a high upside season out of him. For Dallas Goddard, I just kind of struggle to see that path. In the last four seasons, he has averaged between 9.6 and 11.8. So he's really been in that like that I don't even want to say it's like a sweet spot, but he's been in that range of like a fringe tight end one to a mid tier tight end one. And I'm very confident that he is probably going to pay off at this uh, draft price in terms of his finish. I think he'll probably be a top seven tight end in points per game. I just, he's just not going to be the profile I'm looking for, to be totally honest. I do think, honestly, the touchdowns could go up. He had three in 12 games last year, um, but he's also never been like a huge touchdown guy. I think his max in uh, a season for him is going to be five. So I know some of you are going to like him for safety. If you want to play you know that type of strategy, you just want a tight end, you can set it and forget it. You don't want to be messing around on the waiver wire, then Dallas Goddard could definitely be your guy. I understand everyone plays fantasy differently. For me, that's just going to be why I'm a little bit lower on him than consensus. Now, shifting into tier five, I think this is going to be a two-man tier or a three-man tier. I'm going to start it off with David Njoku, and, and this is like a theme throughout this entire offseason. I'm going to be in on pretty much every member of this Browns offense. Njoku's also a guy who showed flashes during the 2022 season. From weeks three through seven, Njoku was really balling out. He went for 58 or more yards in all five of those games, which that type of consistent volume at the tight end position is not super common. Unfortunately, he then suffered a high ankle sprain in that week seven game. He returned. His route participation kind of fluctuated, but in the last three games of the season, he had a 93% or higher opportunity share, which is fantastic. If the Browns do go more pass-heavy, I really like both the floor and ceiling of Njoku this year. I think he could potentially be a guy who breaks into like that maybe 13, 14 point per game area, which I think is pretty intriguing when you're drafting him. Like I think on underdog, he's going after pick 100. So definitely an interesting guy to kind of be looking at here. Now in tier five also, my tight end nine is going to be Evan Ingram and he's coming off a really strong first season with the Jaguars. He was the tight end seven in points per game. He led all tight ends in slot snaps. He was second in yards after the catch, third in receptions, fourth in receiving yards. The Jaguars did go out, they added Calvin Ridley. um, So, you know, maybe there's gonna be more targets kind of spread around to the wide receiver room. But I also just expect this offense to be really good this season. I think they're going to be one of the top offenses in the NFL. I like the weapons they have. I think Trevor Lawrence is still going to kind of take a leap as a player. So I feel like Ingram is in a spot where he can give you solid volume. But I also think he's in contention to kind of hit a touchdown boom. If we see Lawrence go out, have like a 35 plus passing touchdown season, Ingram kind of gets a little lucky in that department. I like the pick here as like a, you know, mid to kind of back end tight end one option. And then to wrap up this tier, I'm going to be going with uh, Pat Fryermuth, And I feel like Fryermuth isn't a super exciting pick, but I feel like he's like a solid back end tight end one. In his two NFL seasons, he has averaged 9.5 at 9.3 points per game he actually went down in points per game in year two but he clearly took a step forward as a player he jumped from 497 receiving yards up to 732 and i believe it was in the same number of games played unfortunately he just could not find the end zone so he went down from seven touchdowns to only two last season but he was actually sixth in receiving yards per game at the tight end position which is strong so he's getting the volume it's there i think he's a safe option. You should probably be banking on anywhere between like 10 to 12 points per game. And he's also a guy, he's, he's you know, a young tight end in his career. This is going to be year three. So he's still improving as a player. He could take another jump this year and maybe heading into uh, 2024. We're looking at him more firmly as like a Tier four option, like I do think that is a uh, possibility here for Pat Fryermuth. But now we are going to be shifting into our uh, sixth and final tier. I do believe this is going to be the longest tier, and we're going to start it off with Dalton Kincaid, my tight end eleven. Now I understand the uh, track record of rookie tight ends is poor. Trust me, I understand it. I'm not, you know, just throwing it out the window. Well, I guess I kind of am uh, with this ranking, but I guess I'm just willing to take a late round swing. On the Bills, hopefully playing Dalton Kincaid heavily out of the slot. I think we look at their roster, and you know, we kind of hear this stuff every year. It's kind of like the running back out of the slot narrative where coaches will just throw that out there and then people go crazy, um, you know, because it sounds so great and it doesn't end up happening. But I think when we look at this Bills roster, I do think it makes logical sense. Like behind Stephon Diggs, this Bills wide receiver room is very limited. You know, some people really like Gabe Davis. I don't know, I'm not super sold, but Kincaid kind of showed in college that he can thrive out of the slot. And before the draft, like when I was talking about Dalton Kincaid, my concern with him was like, I was thinking if he goes in round two, and he's not a great blocker, like, is he going to be out on the field, you'd want him to be playing the slot, because that's kind of where he can really thrive. Now we're in a spot where he could kind of play that role, especially if he does struggle as a blocker. You probably don't want to be um, sitting like your first round pick, large portions of the season. So I feel like you get Kincaid in the slot. You also have Dawson Knox, who I do believe they like. Now that could backfire and maybe they let Kincaid kind of sit. Uh, Dawson Knox, they know what they have out of him. But if they're playing with both of those dudes on the field, Kincaid is going to be out wide a decent amount. And on this Josh Allen led offense, I just think it's something I'm willing to throw a dart on. If he's playing more like a wide receiver, I think it's going to lead to really nice production. Now, next up in this tier, probably higher on the guy than consensus, it's going to be Tyler Higbee. And I do think he's pretty underrated heading into this year. Uh, he finished as the tight end 15 in points per game last year at 8.9. So those numbers, not looking great. But every other metric kind of tells you that he should have been better in terms of his fantasy production. He was fourth in targets and fourth in target share at the tight end position. He was sixth in target rate. Unfortunately, this Rams offense was just really rough, especially down the stretch. The efficiency was bad, and the tight ends were also limited. Heading into uh, 2023, Matthew Stafford is going to be back. This wide receiver room is still rough. Like I think they're number two and number three are Skoranek and uh, Van Jefferson, so the weapons are not stacked here. I do think Higby is like a late round guy who could end up giving you solid like top 10 production on the season. Next up is going to be Dalton Schultz, my tight end 13. He's been a top 10 tight end in points per game over the past two seasons. The Texans pass catchers are kind of just all over the place. So you're hoping he comes in, sees a decent amount of targets as like an established NFL weapon. Not a super flashy pick, but I think he's like a fine option if you're going to punt the position. Tight end 14 is going to be Greg Dulcich. I'm a big fan of Greg Dulcich here. Uh, His rookie season last year missed the first five games of it, which is tough when you're kind of missing training camp. Um, You know, you're missing early on in the year. It's tough to just step in and contribute right away, but that's exactly what he did. Um, Despite this offense being rough, Russ being pretty terrible. Uh, He still delivered some solid stat lines. So he had a two for 44 with a touchdown. I believe that was his first game. Six for 51, four for 87, six for 85, four for 39, and a touchdown. So, really, just not bad for a rookie who didn't have a lot of things kind of going in his favor. Um, He had the third highest A dot and also the third most deep targets of any tight end, even though he only played in uh, 10 games for that deep target number. And uh, Sean Payton has already come out, spoken highly of Greg Dulcich. I honestly don't know if this is going to be like the year for a big breakout. Um, I really like him long term in terms of dynasty. Will this be the year? I'm not sure. But if I'm throwing a late round dart, I might as well throw it on a player I believe is talented and am kind of a believer in long term because maybe he gets it done kind of sooner than expected. Now to wrap up the top 15, going to be going with Chig Okonkwo. This is going to be another second year guy. And when Chig was on the field last year, he was fantastic. Second highest target rate in the NFL. He was first in yards per route and uh, yards per reception. He's also second in yards per target. And those numbers are all super encouraging. The issue is that it was on not a ton of volume. So he only had a 30% route participation on the season. Um, And even when he was starting to play well down the stretch, like he was someone people were streaming for fantasy, he still never went above a 50% route participation. So I just don't know if we can be expecting him to take such a, you know, extreme lift in terms of his usage. Um, you know, over one year, I don't know if it's going to happen. Also, if he does, you know, go from a 30% route participation to like a 70, that efficiency is probably going to fall off. So I don't know how I'm feeling here. I think like the um, yards per target, yards per route run, I think those numbers are solid. They're They're great. I just don't know if the carryover is going to happen this year. We'll see. It kind of just feels like it's going to come down to how the Titans use him. If they want to use him sparingly, it's obviously not going to be great for fantasy. So that's why I have him here at 15. But an interesting player to kind of look at here. I do think he's going to be someone that people kind of really um, get around as like a late round option because he was so efficient last year. I think there's reasons to you know, kind of take pause, but you're not exactly picking from a super strong field here. So that's gonna wrap it up for my top 15. What do you guys think? Um, if you enjoyed the video, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Go check out my other rankings videos, running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks. Those are all up on my channel. Thank you as always if you uh, stuck it out all the way till the end. Thank you, and I'll see you guys in the next one.